Hi! You guys want some cookies? 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 From the new garage, that's N-U with an umlaut, buddy. It's the Throwback Podcast, your guide to all music and culture for people born in exactly 1980. I'm Dan Hansis, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my bosom buddy, Bobby. Hey, Bob. Dan, I think it's time for me to confess something. I was born in 1982. Oh, no. Everything that's that we've, impossible. Everything we've talked about has been over my head. I'm just kind of like <laughs> doing my best to keep up, but I really don't understand any of this stuff. Well, you came within a week of not getting any of the references on the show. That's true. In, you know, the, other in the earliest yeah. window of 1980 babies. Yeah, my parents did bone in the 70s, and I was born in the 80s. Samesies, samesies. Yep, yep. But uh, just imagine this podcast wouldn't exist if you were born one week earlier. Yeah. You'd be in that Gen X. You're I'd be like, straight up like straight up Gen X, hanging out with Bill Simmons. Yeah, you're like working on that Reality Bites screenplay in 1990. Yeah, it's like, hey Ben, what do you think about this character arc? I would have been in Spring Break '87, just like partying with a mustache and so many babes, so many hot babes in g-string bikinis. You could have been like a Sensio type. And I would have been rocking it to the album that we're doing tonight. Oh my goodness, it's happening. It's Appetite for Destruction. Yeah, it is. Week on the Throwback Podcast. How exciting is this, Bob? Guns N' Roses. Yeah. One of the great rock bands of our lifetime. They are touring, and they've been touring now for years and years again. Um, but we're gonna we're focusing here when they were the sensation, when they were the biggest thing to come along to rock music and hard rock since, I don't know, the Rolling Stones? Like when they were, when the singles started piling up and, mm-hmm. and Axel and Slash, they had that great frontman guitarist dynamic, Bob. I think that's what they were, that was the trajectory to me for a bit there. Yeah, I mean, they were... They were the face of an entire genre of music. And like when that happens, that elevates you to that next level. Like they immediately took the reins and became the biggest thing in rock and roll. And they held on to those reins as long as they could until a little band from Seattle. Don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) Don't do it. Uh, We almost made it five minutes without saying that. Don't say it. Talking head on VH1 in 2003. Because you know what? They weren't. Hair metal was kind of wiped away by, you know, don't say it. Don't say it. Um, but some of that stuff was more exaggerated. Like bands like Winger and Whitesnake and Poison and even Motley Crue to some extent, they kind of took a dirt nap because of Nirvana and then the Seattle sound. Guns N' Roses were so fucking big that when Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 came out, that was after... Never mind it. And they were the biggest records in the world. Right. Like they didn't, they weren't killed by that music. They were killed by their front man. Right. Axl Rose killed Guns N' Roses. Right. But anyway, we're going to get into all of that. And we're going to dig into Appetite for Destruction, their 1987 debut. I do, on the subject of rock legends and legendary bands that should have had a longer peak, I have some. Disheartening news, Bob. Oh, no. 
And I I didn't want to start the show on a bummer, but in the music world, there's, you know, let's get Kurt Loder out of retirement for a somber MTV News update. Is he retired? I mean, he's like 98 years old. I, I don't remember going to a Kurt Loder retirement party is what I'm saying. I feel like we would have been invited, but... Better to burn out than fade away. But. Yeah. This from... Thank you to listener Jeff Johnson. This a message from live lead singer Ed Kowalczyk to fans wondering about the next tour for live. I've been wondering about the next tour for live. I would love to perform, but it's not possible in the current situation with the band. The three other original members are not speaking to each other, and I am stuck in the middle. Let's break. And if I try to go solo, there's a good chance they will sue me again. Oh, God. M-Dash. So I have to do what's best for me and my family and try to stay out of litigation by not performing in public at all. No. Sad emoji. Hopefully things change, but until then, I have to lay low. Overlooked Tuesday anthem? <laughs> yeah, for sure. This got a little juice. It did. I have, I have, I remember the video. Like, not the, I think, official video, but like the sad Tuesday video. The Tuesday we... supercut? The <laughs> Tuesday remix. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is a good part. I feel like this was this was on its way. I mean, because this has this definitely had the potential to be like the Tuesday anthem. But then, like, the head of MTV gets a phone call one day, and the voice on the other end is like, "Stop playing that shite. You know what to play." He's like, "Yeah, I'm sorry, sorry, Mr. Bono." Hung up. And Good use was, of shite. <laughs> and then it was nothing but walk stuck on. in nothing but walk on and stuck in a moment from that point on. I do have to admit it is suspicious, some of the song subject matter on All That You Can't Leave Behind, which you could check out on this very program, Deep in the Archives, 2000. Uh, and you, people should know, obviously, that's off the album five, and obviously the lead single was not overcome. <laughs> oh, no. Yes, this is the back- Appetite for Destruction. What a backdoor way to get into <laughs> Simple Creed. Special Guns and Roses. <laughs> the worst part, Bob, for you and other simple creed deniers is pick you up by a puppy scruff doesn't occur I know, until you the have second to wait verse. For it, yeah. And we, by law of this podcast, cannot turn it down until puppy scruff. No, I know. That's, I mean, we have rules here. I mean, just be lucky that Here's what tricky. I'm worried about, though. We now know how litigious the members of Live are, so we do have to be careful. If they're suing each other, they could come after us. This doesn't even have a million streams. That's rough. All right, here we go. Half of those streams are you. <laughs> By now on this show, <laughs> easily 25,000 streams. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> pretty cool. Sounds pretty good here. 
Orchestra. Great. <laughs> Sorry, Tricky. Maybe next time. Someone better take your microphone. So anyway, we won't be seeing live live anytime soon. And once again, the confusing. They didn't know that you know how search engines would work. So no, just take I it know. Easy on Even them. you're just saying that seeing live live, it's a problem. Tough sitch. Tough sitch. Do you think we we don't do things really to help others often? We could do it more for sure. Could we use our limited abilities? Go ahead. Our audience, our our influence, our clout, our clout, if you will, to broker peace between the members of Live. If we like made an effort, if we extended a hand to Ed, and then we like took a road trip to I don't know York, Pennsylvania, and found the I'm other guys. I'm not going to York. No, we might have to go to York. We might have to go to York. That might be a part of this. We might have to. Go into shit town itself, York, and get the. How other close guys is together. that to Hershey? Because that'd be kind of cool. It could be kind of nice. To, like go to the uh, Hershey nice. theme park. Maybe yeah. if we go in the fall when the foliage is at its peak. Same. We can make it. Well, no, we have to. Go, we, this is like a pressing matter. Are we, we gonna? I assume we're gonna have sex during this cross country trip. When in York, that's the <laughs> <Pork>. saying, right? <laughs> when, so, uh, I mean, that could be one of the offshoot kind of perks of this whole thing. But I'm saying... Went in York, pork! I'm saying... <laughs> if we got live back together to tour again, Dan, that would be like a really great thing we've done for the world. That'd be amazing. Fuck. Let's do it. All right. I'm going to put together like a 12-point plan. This episode is already a hit. If anybody out there wants to help us... Big winner. If anybody out there wants to help us, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know that you're part of the uh, live army. Mm-hmm. But, but again, like that... Sounds like something else due to search engines. So don't say live army. That's like a weird kind of juxtaposition of words. Yeah, let's so fuck live. Yeah, that's Man, tough what a sense. bad band name. They didn't know. They didn't know any better. Yes, if you just tuned in, this is the Guns N' Roses Appetite <laughs> for Destruction special. Long time coming, Bob. Yeah, and if this is your first time listening, you will hear Simple Creed one or two more times today, but don't worry about it. It's par for the course. And if you're lucky, you won't hear Tricky, but we can't... We we can't make any promises. Dan, the reason that we're doing Appetite for Destruction is not because it sold 30 million albums and because it's one of the biggest albums of the 80s. It's because it won a Patreon poll. Mm, I don't know if it's that either. On patreon.com slash throwbackpod. Uh, Nair... Just 11 months ago, this won a poll last August. <laughs> you uh, put up a poll recently. I checked in on the Twitter account of four albums that I couldn't even imagine in the most wild circumstances ever doing. Well, one of them is going to win and we're going to do it. Well, that. how long did it take to do this album? About 11 months. Well, let's uh, multiply that by about 11 and that's when we'll do like the seventh Supergrass album. By the time the Supergrass was not on there, by the time we post this episode, the Verve should have won that poll, I believe. I All think, right. yeah, that's something we talked about doing. See, I'm not go- sure. I'm not going into like Star Sailor territory yet. Well, we're not there yet. We're getting there. Right. But this poll, Dan, was a 30 million people. Can't and I'm be a lucky wrong. man. We had four albums that have sold over 30 million copies each. They were Born to Run by Bruce, Back mm. in Black by ACDC, mm. Appetite, and Meatloaf's Bat Out of Hell. There he is, Meat. There he is. Rest in peace, my friend. This is when Bru- Rest in power. Bruno, the sponsor himself, commented on this poll, Dan. If you don't vote for Meatloaf, you hate fun. Bruno did that? Bruno did that. So Bruno came out of his <laughs> of hiding. Wait a second. How the fuck did Bruno do that? 
Bruno commented. He was able to reach out. He got bars? He got a, got a bar. He <laughs> was able to try to sway oh, our... Wait. Wrong song. Wrong the song. Into the, the wild <laughs> soundtrack. <laughs> Apologies to the listeners. <laughs> there we go. Like, even Eddie Vedder was like, he just, something clicked in his royalties. It was like, what the fuck happened? Yeah. Setting forth? <laughs> I got a setting forth royalty for so, half a cent? Bruno was really trying to get uh, our listeners to push for uh, meatloaf, but he just, he couldn't pull it off. Guns N' Roses won the poll handily. So there's a guy in this world named Bruno in the middle of the wilderness somewhere right. in the Great White North. Right. Pounding the table for meatloaf. This is before meat died. Too. Wow. Well, yeah. we gave meatloaf a nice retrospective. We ultimately we lost did. Him. Nice is kind of, we'll see. But I mean, we did something. <laughs> you didn't think you didn't think we were. I don't think I was too kind, but it's fine. Appetite for Destruction won the poll, and now we're doing it, Dan. We're doing it on the pod. All right, let's do it. I am. I am. I'm almost. I'm regretting that I brought up the Ed Qualchuk live situation because it has me in a weird headspace, but I'm going to power through it. Uh, let's talk about it, Bob. I know that Appetite for Destruction was... I mean, I feel like it was the album, the rock album of 87, 88, but I think maybe it came out 86, late 86. What do we got, Bob? July 21st, 1987, Dan. All right. That makes sense. 35 years ago this month. Get out of here. One of those weird occasions where we just happened to do it on an anniversary. What were were you for Halloween in 1987? 1987, I was probably Dracula. Good one. I I was Wolfman. A classic. Oh, look at us. Classics. Wolfman. My mom made my costume. Yeah, mine was very like white, white makeup. Of course, you would make white makeup. Did, it wasn't enough just to be your yeah, skin tone. You went, had to go even further. Went white face, fangs, a little blood dripping down the side. Looked cool as shit. Old white face Bob. Do his old cool tricks, spreading his gospel shit. of hate. <laughs> well, I was Dracula. I'm supposed to. That's, Dracula's not a nice guy. July twenty first, nineteen eighty seven. Dan. That month, Kylie Minogue released her first single, "The Locomotion." <laughs> Listen, I cannot believe when she when she like hit it huge again in the early 2000s with Can't Get You Out of My Head, which is still one of my favorite like dance bangers ever. Yep. When I connected the dots that she also was the locomotive chick, it was one of the more stunning revelations of right? my lifetime. It definitely was. Yeah. So Yeah, she was just a footnote. She got legs. She does. Hey, more ways than one. Hey. Check out the gams on that one. Take her to York if you know what I mean. What happened to gams? <laughs> Dan, do you want to talk about Don Mattingly in July of 1987? Oh, I could talk for hours. I figured that. I actually wrote some stuff down and then I erased it. Because I was like, you know what? Dan can tell us about Mattingly. He had uh, 10 home runs over eight games, including eight home runs in eight consecutive games. That's right. Tying the record held by Dale Long, set in 1956. Later matched... By Ken Griffey Jr. in 1993. Uh, And uh, he did it, I think, even more impressively, Bob, across the All-Star break. Mm -hmm. So he did about four or five games pre-All-Star break and then continued it, finishing it up in Arlington, Texas. That's right. He also hit a bunch of Grand Slams that year, a record. Great Mattingly stat. 
Six Grand Slams in 87, the major league record that stands to this day. He never hit one before the 1987 season, and he never hit another one after. That's right. My first ever Yankee game was that summer where Don Mattingly hit a Grand Slam. Hero. Hero. Love that man. Love him more than anybody. Love him so much I was knocked over the table you with did. my boner. <laughs> oh, no. July 29th, Dan, Ben and Jerry named a new flavor of Popping boners ice- to Donnie Baseball. <laughs> Dan Anzis and Bob Kestrel. <laughs> Is that a new podcast spinoff? <laughs> Do you want to guess what the new Ben and Jerry flavor was that they released that month? Oh, let's see. Uh, touch a Touch a Jerry. It was like a, a Grateful Dead product type. I mean, you went way deeper than you had to. Cherry Garcia. Wait, for real? Yeah. What? Yeah. How did that happen? How did you get that right? Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea how your fucking brain works. What the fuck? <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, Jerry Garcia came out July 20th. That's the craziest thing that's ever happened to me on this podcast. <laughs> I don't know why that's Like, so I completely pulled that from the ether. <laughs> I just knew that Touch of Grey came out in 1987. Okay. And for some reason, that let... I mean, you do, in fairness, you do eat seven pints of that every night. I like it. So... It's good. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's one of the weirder things that's ever happened in my life, which has happened. Just so many good movies, Dan, came out in July 1987. It was a good time. Including Jaws the Revenge. Well, that wasn't one of them. <laughs> Revenge of the Nerds Michael too. Caine, great Jaws the Revenge uh, trivia note. He was uh, in Jaws the Revenge, and it was shot in the Bahamas. And he missed the Oscars, where he won the Oscar for Best Actor, because he was on location in the Bahamas shooting Jaws 4. That's hilarious. And he owned up. He was like, listen, I uh, needed to buy a new house and I wanted to go shoot a movie in the Bahamas. Uh, so I missed the Oscars and I have no regrets. I was like, I have no regrets. So you're okay with that? You're okay with him doing that? I mean, it's yes, I'm totally cool. With I it. feel like you gave David Cross shit on this podcast for doing an Alvin and the Chipmunks movie. But da- well, that's fair. But David Cross also presents himself as a counterculture dude, and then all of a sudden he's taking that Alvin and the Chipmunks money. It just felt like he was betraying a bit of his like sensibility. I'm just saying, David Cross is my Michael Caine, so I just wanted to throw that out there. I'm Michael Caine. Uh, that's Ro- my Michael Caine. RoboCop came out that month. Great movie. Revenge of the Nerds too, like I said, and uh, The Lost Boys. And I never saw it. Finally, my two faves. Adventures in Babysitting, and The Great Summer School, starring oh, Mark Harmon, Dean Cameron. Kirstie Alley, and our boy Dean Cameron. Your former colleague. The Great. Once sung uh, Born in the USA at Scott, no, not Scott Wolf, uh, Grant Show's Bar in Hollywood. Yeah, Grant Happy Show's endings. Bar Happy Endings. He was doing a live karaoke band called Karaoke. Yeah. Yeah. And I just worked. I just worked with Dean a few months ago. I made a little indie movie that's going to hopefully come out next year, and Dean is in it. Good, yeah, good guy, guy. great guy. Let's stay in Hollywood, Dan, but go back to 1987. Okay. Oh no, number one song. Number one song. I got you. In all of America, in 1987, not just Hollywood. 48 states or all 50? All 50. Nice. Is it continuous or contiguous? Probably contiguous. Continuous sounds weird. It's contiguous. 
Oh, I love this part. like picture the middle-aged like songwriters for hire with beards with their shirts tucked into their jeans yeah writing this hit eating a salad eating a salad i think i mean i'm pretty sure this is not an actual heart composition but this is a very popular kind of trope of this era where Bands that had a lot of popularity in like the late 70s, early 80s, they had a comeback on radio with songs that were written by basically song doctors. Right. Uh, Ringers and Hart. Uh, who else did that? Aerosmith, mm-hmm. Starship, formerly Jefferson Airplane. And you know what? I'm not mad because hey, I love all these cheesy songs. Do it. Somebody's got to do it. And you still had Ann Wilson's voice. And Nancy Wilson in the videos. Yeah. Not the first heart song we did either. Last year, I think it was, we talked about the uh, that super weird heart song. Oh, that was, a, that was I think, at this point years ago that we because, did that. Yeah, it was in the old uh, garage, the yeah. rented garage. <laughs> and it was the song about Nancy Wilson... Or Ann Wilson picking up... Picking up a dude to, to get pregnant? Well, yeah, picking up a dude. They had a bunch of motel love, and then she got pregnant, didn't tell him because she wanted a baby. And she was married, so her husband didn't know, and even the dude didn't know until he ran into her and then saw his own face in the child's, in the eyes. child's like, eyes. What the fuck is that about? They don't make songs like that anymore. That's like a straight up crime. We need more songs like that. More more confessions of guilt. Are you allowed to do that? I guess you can. Yeah. Victimless crime, bro. Well. I mean, probably some victims. It's just kind of a bad look for that guy to, to see his son for the first time under those circumstances. But. Kind of, it looks like Forrest Gump, which I just watched recently it with my like son. Forrest Gump. The way she just springs this kid on him at the end, spoiler alert, she's like, oh, by the way, here's your baby. Yeah, but I mean, let's be honest, it was Forrest's only real chance to have a son. Yeah, I mean, for all the for all that he did. The guy was a dullard. Guys, well, I mean, he was a very interesting man, Dan. He just only had sex once in his entire life, and he made a baby. So he's one for one. <laughs> yes, sir, yay or nay, dullard. Forrest Not Gump. a dullard. Guy fucks too. I mean, once and successfully. And Jenny was right top shelf. He went one for one. He got a ten, and he was like, "I'm out." Oh, and I had a baby. One try. Let's go fishing, bitch. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Guns and Roses could have been one and done, and been one of the great rock acts of all time based on this album. That's how good it was. Based on this song, one of the great intros in the history of rock, right here. Welcome to the motherfucking jungle. 
I mean, right away, right away, this is different than everything else. Yeah, it's it's better. I mean, that's it's, like well, the, that's that the, is yeah, that's the dumbest way to like no, do a music but criticism, right. but it's just fucking better yeah. than everything. Yes, it is of its time. You hear elements of that in the hard rock, heavy metal, hair metal scene, but it's just better. You know, if you think about like the hair metal music that was happening at the time, this is more like, you know, like classic Aerosmith, like Led Zeppelin, not a band that we've ever really attached to. But if you listen to them, you could kind of hear the influence. This is taking that like classic rock sound and infusing it with hair metal and just putting out something that sounded like everything, but sounded like nothing. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just did the Chuck Klosterman thing where I say something contradictory that makes it sound intelligent. Like he's the best at that. It yeah. sounded like everything, so it sounded like nothing. Right. Well, yeah. usually it's like paragraph break. Right. It's like, and it was everything that was on the radio, paragraph break. Although it was something no one had ever heard. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's a good move. Great interlude here. It was like, it was everything to everyone. It was also nothing to nobody. <laughs> like, what? Like, what? what is... So deep. I mean, it must mean something. Yeah. Yeah. Axel wrote, Ro- Rose wrote the lyrics while visiting a friend in Seattle. It's a big city, but at the same time, it's a small city compared to L.A. And the things that you're going to learn. It seemed a lot more rural up there. I just wrote how it looked to me. It's some... If someone comes to town and they want to find something, they can find whatever they want. Classic video, stepping off the bus. That's I thought it was about because he's from, I believe, Indiana. Right. Axl Rose. Well, I think that's the video. He's he's like getting off the bus in L.A. Right. They are, yeah, the, I mean, one of the great Los Angeles bands ever. All coming together on the Sunset Strip. I mean, there's so many different interludes to the song and different passages where it's just like, they're all so memorable. Like, what's the best part of the song? It might be this part. I think it is, right? Yeah. You know where you are? You in the jungle, baby. You got it down. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, no. Right. Is this the best part? <laughs> <laughs> Now this is the best part. Here's here's why everything's unfair in in life. You can go see Guns N' Roses in concert right now, mm-hmm. but you're not seeing this. Like, imagine that. In 1987, on the Sunset Strip or anywhere, just fucking blowing your face off. Yeah, and we obviously we uh, there are things that we got to experience, like peak strokes, for instance, in New York when when they came out, and we you know we've had the chance to see some great bands in our lifetime. Play at the PNC Bank. Coldplay, PNC touring on X and Y, of course. Fix you, right? Um, Just two notable examples. (laughs) Uh, but we just missed this whole era of rock. Right. Like I talked about it as a U2 fan. I would have loved to see them on Zoo TV. Just missed that era of the band. Guns N' Roses. 
well, at seven years old, I don't think we would have appreciated any of this. But so I don't think we just <laughs> or, missed it, but we missed it. We would also it'd be a hard time getting a ride to Giants Stadium for the show. I think as well. <laughs> I think there's some logistical issues we would have had to tackle. Anyway, so this is basically like a greatest hits record. Yeah. Um, I mean, you don't sell 30 million albums without a couple of singles. Yeah. Uh, here's track two. It's so easy. I see your sister in a Sunday dress. She's on the beach, she pounds her best. She's on the tape, no need to try. She's ready to make. It's so easy, easy when everybody's trying to please me, baby. It's so easy, easy when everybody's trying to please me. Cause I'm crashing every night. I drink and drive everything's in sight. I like that he has um, he operates in different planes vocally wise right so he's obviously in a lower register on this song and you know it's actually the first single Bob really that yeah. I did not know it's it's so I like this part It's a double, double A side with Mr. Brownstone, which we're going to get to as well. It didn't do anything. In fact, this album kind of was, for most of its early life, when it was first released, it kind of was under the radar. Mm. It was uh, the all-time or one of the all-time examples of a slow burn where it took a while to pick up steam, but when it did, it became a juggernaut. Wow, that's interesting. I like uh, I like any song that's uh, pro drunk driving. Not that I'm pro drunk driving, but I just like rock songs that are like I drive drunk and it's cool. Yeah, I think. Well, the, again, you know, don't a, drive drunk. It's a tricky gray area, right? right. Morally, uh, but kind of cool. Let Axl Rose do it and tell you about it. I don't think Axl should be doing it either because you know he well, puts the people on the road in danger as well. Not not anymore, right? And actually, with heavy metal, with metal, there has been incidents of there's tragedies. Bob. Yeah, you know what? Let's take this whole part out because this probably doesn't sound too good. I think we walked it back enough where everything's fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. All right. It's so easy. Let's listen to a little bit more. Awesome. One of those songs they always play live. And just to give you an idea of where the band was, two years after the song was released as a single and it stiffed, they were like, all right, let's try that again. And they made a video for it. Oh, wow. Two years later, after they had become the biggest band in the world. That's a good fuck you move. Like, yeah, you like, will. Yeah, we you were, blew it. Yeah, we were right, America. You're going to like this. We didn't blow it. But in a way, they kind of blew it because there were obvious better singles right. on this album, including the first track. Just like, that's the equivalent, the 80s equivalent of Rock and Roll Star by Oasis. Like, mm-hmm. is there a more obvious introduction to a band? But then I say that, and that wasn't Oasis. That wasn't the first single from Oasis no, it wasn't. either, so. I guess I'll shut the fuck well, we right always up. Talk, we always talk about these record honchos making this decision, and sometimes we it f- feels obvious, like, oh, that was obviously the single. But at the time, you have to think, like, 
there was nothing like Welcome to the Jungle, the song we just heard was this kind of safer bet. Yeah, and that's if, fair. And if your job is depending on it, you don't take big swings sometimes. Johnson, what's the choice for GNR? Yeah, and Johnson It's just, so easy. Yeah, he takes the, the easy road. Oh, oh. See? See? Oh, Bob. See? I know it's getting late, Bob, but you are sharp as a tack right now. Let's talk more about drunk driving, Dad. (laughs) This is one of those shows where I could tell Bob might be starting to get a little tired. It's like... Oh, no, I'm feeling good. How can you be tired listening to this? It's impossible. Night train, baby. Listen how good this is. I, I can guarantee you Justin Hawkins and of the Darkness particularly loved this song. Oh, you could hear sure, that, yeah. that band all over this song. So good. Cowbell, baby. Uh, little note here, Bob. A single, again, didn't do much. It was later. It was, the you know, the heat check. Right. They threw another single out there. It didn't do much on the charts, which is strange because it's a really good song. But um, the song is a tribute to an infamous brand of cheap Californian fortified wine, Night Train Express, which was extremely popular with the band during their early days because because of its low price and high alcohol content. All right, Bob, here comes the quiz. You ready? Yeah. I'm going to test your sharpness right now. Okay, go. Name the band. Name the band. What do you got? Name the band. The ba- Guns N' Roses. Who's oh, in the band? Who's in the band? Yeah, he's, he's in. Axel Rose. <laughs> Ding! Slash. Ding! Duff. I'll give Duff, it to Duff you. Duff McKagan. Uh, Izzy Stradlin. Ding! And I think Matt. I, Matt. There was a Matt, too, at some point, I think right? Matt might have came in for one of the dudes that got a drug problem. Then I'm taking it all, baby. Bring it. There is a Matt. I'm there pretty sure Matt. there is yeah, a there Matt. Yeah, there was a Matt at some point, I think. I mean, I think every name in the world has now been in the band. Right. By this, but, like, uh, Buck, would I have gotten credit for Buckethead? <laughs> I should have said the, uh, the, <laughs> the canon... Accepted canon of Guns N' Roses. Yeah. What do they call it? The, uh, when it's like the the recognized greatest version of something. Is there a word for that? There is. It's a great fucking word. I'm sure it is. We don't have it yet. I mean, I just used all my brain power to name the band. You have to help me out with the word right there. <laughs> I mean, there was nothing cooler than having an Appetite for Destruction t-shirt in the late 80s. We talk a lot about how yeah. there was never an attractive uh, person wearing a Metallica t-shirt. All the cool kids had an Appetite for Destruction shirt. Right. I, I think uh, I, I think Metallica shirts 
were the most popular. I saw more Metallica shirts, but the Guns N' Roses shirts, certainly with their logo, it's one of the great logos. For sure. Um, definitely built. And also, um, Eddie Furlong's character in T2 was a big Guns N' Roses fan, which you know I just thought was kind of a cool thing. Yeah. I think you got to give them credit for getting Eddie Furlong, or, who is John Connor, who saved the world. Right. See how it all kind of connects? It all connects. All right. Up next, Bob. So that's that's how this album starts. Welcome to the Jungle. It's so easy. Night Train. And they have we haven't even gotten to the biggest hits on the album. Right. So we're already fucking flying here. Here we go. Out to get me. You think it was kind of a missed opportunity when we moved to LA in the late aughts that we didn't just dive in and just live on the Sunset Strip, like get, embrace, just like get a like we we rented like a really cool house in Hollywood. But what if we just got a, a flea bag motel, drank <laughs> drank Night Train Express, went to the rock clubs, maybe learned some instruments. I know the dad bods are something that came around later, but what if we picked up the instruments in our 20s right? and just kind of went for it? So you're saying like we become the new Guns N' Roses? Is that kind of what you're yeah, angling at? Yeah, in a way. Do I you mean, think we, that's a missed opportunity ultimately? I mean, we are super cool dudes. Uh, we did see Coldplay at the PNC Bank Art Center. On fix the X, You, baby. On the XMI tour. I mean, when you see Fix You original tour. So I feel okay. like we, we have the pedigree These guys are in. to go out there and like really like fuck shit up uh-huh. yeah you have me rethinking everything you're right damn it's cool all right good well so we're filled with regret then filled with it yeah one of the cool things when you move to la though it's like you recognize street names from songs. Like, that's a really cool thing, driving around, move. and you're like, oh, that's Ventura Boulevard, that's Mulholland, that's, you know, like, that's constantly happening. The other cool thing is driving down Sunset and seeing the Whiskey, the Roxy, and Rainbow room. the Viper Room, yep. and just thinking, like, holy shit, this is where it happened. This is, like, your mind immediately goes to Guns N' Roses and Motley Crue and, like, that entire scene, and it's really cool. I mean, it's a different world now, like, but the, like the whiskey, especially when you see the whiskey, you're just imagining like, right? Slash well, for me, that's place. the Rainbow Room because that place is basically a time capsule, mm. and it has. If you're if you haven't been to Los Angeles before, if you're looking to go to like what's hot, where what's the great scene, I wouldn't say these places. Although I've been so removed from it now for years that maybe I don't know, maybe they're big again. But right. the great thing about some of those places and Rainbow Room in particular, so you can go walk around there and kind of get lost. And so much of the place is unchanged. And you could picture these type of these bands, whether it's Guns N' Roses or Motley Crue or, or, or whoever, um, just doing their th- thing in there. That's I've always like had a kind of a uh, a romantic uh, romanticized version of Los Angeles and like that whole street mm-hmm. there. Uh, you definitely kind of feel it. You could feel that past for sure. Here we go, Bob. You ready? I'm ready. This one is a personal favorite. 
My brother, of course, Kevin Dangerhands is the biggest Guns N' Roses fan I know. He's seen them many times in concert, the post Chinese democracy version. Right. I have never seen them. Have you? No. No, and I don't think I ever will. Yeah. I mean, they put on a good show, so I'm told, but yeah, this is it's a little different, this version of the band for sure. Here we go, Mr. Brown Stone. Yes, the aforementioned double A side that launches album, Mr. Brownstone. Again, so many different hooks on this, uh, these songs. There's just multiple parts that, oh, is this the best part? Is this the best right. part? Beautiful. So bluesy, too. Yeah, I think this feels like there's some Rolling Stones in here for sure. Again, I hear them in this, in this band at this era. Uh, Slash and Izzy Stradlin wrote this song when they were sitting around Stradlin's apartment complaining about their addictions to heroin, for which Brownstone is a slang See, term. I feel like that's ultimately what would have held us back in the late aughts, living on the Fleabag Sunset Strip. Like, we don't do enough heroin, we never have, so I don't know if we would have come up with, like, really good music. Well, we could have, you know, went down that road, potentially, to, to you know juice the artistic process right yeah i guess uh the lyrics make a clear reference to the tolerance that the drug causes i used to do a little but a little wouldn't do it so the little got more and more so interesting heroin has killed many a rock star and nobody in guns and roses right am i missing anybody another drummer i think had to leave the band because of addiction issues right right that sounds correct the classic lineup. That's one way to put it, Bob. Sure, that's not a, like a great word or anything. It's just kind of like a very easy. Uh, way I to... think you might have missed the drummer, by the way. Matt. I think Matt replaced oh. Stephen Adler. Oh right, yep. So my celebration was premature. But that was pretty good. I really thought it was good. I don't yeah. know. I think I Matt Sorum of the Cult replaced right. Stradlin in November 1991. I'm a 90s guy. That's my problem. Yes. <laughs> All right. And actually, Stephen Adler, who was really on the ropes uh he cleaned his life up and um got things on track and he was inducted with the rest of the band into the rock and roll hall of fame in 2012 as a member of guns and roses always kind of a weird vibe because then he got matt on the stage right even on the stage it's like uh well when you're a drummer you know there's like a 50 percent chance that's gonna happen yeah 
That's true. So many drummers are so replaceable. I think Foo nowadays. Fighters, same situation. Foo Fighter, Grohl fired so many people in that band when it was getting off the ground, right. including a drummer. I think he invited all of them to the hall because he's the nicest guy in rock. Right. But it's also kind of like a reminder to all these poor guys that got fired before the second album. Like, oh, you could have had this life. <laughs> well, uh, be, be better. All right, here we go. Look at, ooh, look at Bob. Just be better. Take it. Just st- take it. The guys did the best they could. No, not good enough. Step it up. Stay freaking Grohl. You know, we did the Songs of Summer episode. I'm already having some regrets that I didn't think of this song. Oh, this is bigger than summer. This is its own season. That no no one can even pronounce. Exactly. It's like one of those things. Like It's an alien language where you have to t- cut your tongue out to be able to speak it. It's like, all right. Yeah, it's its own it's ecosystem. Hear that, Bob? That's something you will not hear on any song on Appetite for Destruction other than right here. A synthesizer. Yeah. It's the only song on the album to feature a synthesizer. Released January 89, Bob. So it wouldn't fit into that Song of Summer uh, situation. And this is, as a young boy, is like an eight-year-old at this time. This is one of the earlier songs I remember vividly. It ruling the world it went to number five on the billboard hot 100 the what here comes the whistle yes <laughs> like whose fucking idea was the whistle yeah we need a whistle to kick it in and it does it, it takes the song up like a whole notch <laughs> why did why is it there more whistle uh i see i could have been the whistle guy in guns and roses if i was born a little That's earlier what i'm talking about bob we gotta like, think bigger whistle guy is it too late we just get a couple pro- of whistles go down to the Sunset many, Strip. How many whistle guys has Axel gone through in the last year? Because I can just come out and whistle. That's great. Here's a note, Bob, that we don't know because we have not seen this band live. During live Guns N' Roses shows, Paradise City is usually performed last as an encore. This has been a tradition since at least 1988 up wow. to their latest tour. And it just it reminds me, Bob, I have a regret from a Super Bowl party, Super Bowl weekend a couple of years ago. In Miami, and I was given the choice: Do you want to go to this kind of like buzzy exclusive party uh, with Post Malone headlining, or do you want to go to this um, arena show where Guns N' Roses is playing? Oh, made the Post Malone choice, and the party wasn't good. Mm. And Post Malone came out at like two thirty in the morning, mm. bombed off his fucking ass, Yikes. mumbled to three songs, and left the stage. Oof! It's like, oh. I get, I get why you made the choice. Oh. I, I probably would have made the same one. Again, I don't want to see Guns N' Roses without a time machine. I get it. I get it, Bob. Like this song could, in another band's hands, could be really cheesy. Oh yeah, and very instantly dated and tacky. And I'm not saying it's some great work of art, but it's. It's perfectly executed in a way that, despite it lyrically being so simple and 
all that. It just it's so powerful and melodic. It's yeah. it's just an excellent excellent rock and roll song, and that's all I think it wants to be. Mm-hmm. And it absolutely succeeds. Oh, I love this. Oh. We get another whistle, don't we? Do we? I think we. I think we, I think we do. I think we get one more. No, it's great. I mean, the lyrics are so much better than the fourth grader lyrics that we would sing in the playground when the song was huge in 1989. I was wondering about that because I kind of remembered that. Do you remember what the lyric was? Let's take me down to the Paradise City where the girls are something. I think there's some... There's a little titty in there. And we know they have big... Yeah, that's how it ends. Yeah. But that was like a very, like... I'm sure all elementary schools are... Yeah, it was... I think that was like a elementary school staple from coast to coast <laughs> before the internet every every elementary school came up with that on their own and would yeah. sing it yeah the song is ranked number 21 on vh1's 40 greatest metal songs of all time number 459 on rolling stones top 500 greatest songs of all time i think the whistle's coming up i think we get one more i think i mean you're paying for the whistle guy you might as well get your money's worth No, just get one whistle. No. Well, you know what? Even better. Give the whistle guys two grand. Make people want more. Leave them wanting more whistle. All right. So there you go. Paradise City. Yeah. Slash is good at playing guitar, too. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good at the guitar. Remember when the Slash was in the uh, Someday video for the Strokes? Yeah, that was very cool. I think it was like... Almost guided by voices. Yep. Robert Pollard. Was Slash... No, because Slash... See, Slash is one of the coolest rock stars. Yeah. So I was thinking, was Slash on the Family Feud set for that scene in the video? I was like, no, no Slash didn't do that No, shit. he wouldn't do that. He was hanging out at the bar. He's at the bar. Yeah. He's at the fucking bar. Of course he Smoking is. Smoking cigarettes. A yeah. hundred cigarettes. Drinking a Bud Heavy, probably. For sure. Or whiskey. I saw him at a coffee bean in Malibu once. That didn't didn't feel right. I mean, well, I guess like Slash. Again, this is, we're not, in the, I wish we could get a time machine, Bob. Slash needs coffee. He needs coffee too. Just kind of weird seeing him in like a sunny day in Malibu. Did he at least, bean. was he at least wearing the, the top hat and the glasses and I mean, he was a cigarette hanging out of his mouth and carrying a guitar and wearing a flannel tied around his waist with ripped up jeans and cool biker boots and a like vintage t-shirt four women in his arms yeah of course okay that's how so he goes all to, those things were in that's how play. he goes to coffee bean and they were cool with him smoking in there too of course obviously I like that his name is like Sal like I'll have to look it up yeah look it up <laughs> I'm not gonna hazard a guess but it is Sal yes Saul 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 are you ready this is my Michelle by the way Love it. It's greatest hits album. It really is. 
and you got to feel for you know these bands. There's not too many. This is so rare, but we've done these albums on the show before. Where if your first album is the greatest hits record, mm-hmm. what what do you do from there? Well, I mean, they went in a direction that I don't think made sense at the time, and looking back makes even less sense. But putting out "Use Your Illusion" one and two next is a massive undertaking for a band that just kind of put out a greatest hits album, like you said. And to scatter singles over two albums. And I mean, it was huge and it worked. And obviously, you know, you could talk about the singles off that and how it you took them to an, another level until, of course, you know, Seattle happened. And we're mm. not going to talk about it. No, sure. But it's like a weird thing to do. It's a weird way to follow this up. Saul Hudson, by the way. Saul Hudson. Uh, there was the uh, Lies EP. Right. It had Patience on it. Right. And that... So that was the bridge to use your illusion. And, and, you know. But again, if you look at that, it's like LP, Weird Little EP, double, huge double LP. So when I was in Georgia doing Lego Masters, there was one day, I don't know why, but I decided I'm going to listen to Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. Really? Yeah. Like, How was that? I wasn't going to do it all in the same day, but I was like, in the next couple of days, I'm going to listen to the entire thing because I've never, I don't think I've ever heard the entire album. So I did. It was weird. It was a lot. I mean, it's a lot of music. It's a lot of Axel. There's covers on it, original. Of course, yeah. November Rains on that. Did you listen to the covers al- album, The Spaghetti Incident? No, but I remember listening to The Spaghetti Incident at a listening station that Nobody Beats the Wiz in <laughs> Spring Valley because I love their cover of uh, Since I Don't Have You. I thought that was like such a cool cover song. Interesting. What about Chinese Democracy? Did you listen and to that, I used Georgia? To lo- and I used to love her, but I had to kill her. It was a really great song. Great That's song. on Lies, right? Is that on Lies or is that on Spaghetti? It's probably on Lies. I don't I think, think anything's on Spaghetti that people kind Just of remember. Since I Don't Have You is the only thing, I think. Uh, let me check out this Lies EP because it's got some bangers. Guns and Roses. Should we just start doing EPs on this podcast instead of LPs? Just really nice and <laughs> that's, tight. that's a nice niche. Uh, called GNR Lies. Eight songs. Some live, live songs on it. So there you go. But it has Patience, Used to Love Her, You're Crazy, One in a Million. I got into trouble with that. Right. That was the song. one that had the lyrics. Uh, all right. More offensive than the fourth grade Paradise City lyrics in that one. Yeah, I would say that's yeah, that's fair. That's fair to say. All right, let's keep on moving, Bob. Appetite for Destruction. There are still another massive hit to come. The biggest hit on the record, I believe. But before we get to that, let's listen in to Think About You. You know, the foot does not come off the pedal here. No. You're in for a ride. And it does after this, the song we're about to get to. Um, it changes. The tone of it changes a little bit. And not a moment too soon. If anything, I would say maybe the song that's up next should have showed up a little sooner. But hey, listen. Who am I to mess with perfection? I mean, yeah. Let's Who not, n- let's not pick nits here. Yeah. 
Like, that's my monster take that Think About You and Sweet Child of Mine should be reversed on the side. <laughs> I mean, that is... It's got to be exhausting to be in a band like this. I mean, Axl Rose is a fucking asshole. Let's yeah, start there. Just a maniac frontman. Brilliant. Great frontman. Great songwriter. Charismatic. The ex- everything you want in a lead singer. And then, but the problem is, he makes Stephen Jenkins from Third Eye Blind look like Dave Grohl, the nicest guy in rock. Right. He was a mean, controlling, violent, rude, thoughtless son of a bitch. And do you think fame made him that, or do you think he was always that? That's a good question. I don't think, I don't think fame helped. Oh, definitely did not. I don't see him being like a super well-adjusted like insurance salesman if he stayed in Indiana. Right. I think uh, Axel was Axel. Uh-oh. Whenever you say that. I know. Oh, Axel's I mean, Axel. But he couldn't be all that. He was nice to Shannon Hoon. So, you know, they were they were buddies. He'd give he'd give you the shirt off his back if it was the last <laughs> one he had. That's the type of guy he is. Of course. That's how you know. Well, what happened to Shannon Hoon, Bob? Well, that's not on Axel. Well, connect the dots. Putting it on Axel. Put it on the board. Wow. Meanwhile, nobody even knows who the fuck you're talking Everybody about. Everybody knows who Shannon Hoon is. <laughs> Everyone pushing pause to Google. If Axel would have intervened, then what would my backpack have said in 1995? We've talked about this on the show, but I don't care. Let's talk about it again. In 1994 and 1995, everyone was putting Nirvana, Kurt Cobain... 1967 to 1994 in the bottom of their Jansport. Yeah. That kind of leather part where you could write on it. And Bob, in a uh, act of loyalty. Loyalty. I thought you were going to say defiance, but no, it was loyalty. But also, like, you wanted to be a little outside the mainstream. It was a bit of a peacock in a way, too. I was, I was being true to myself. When the No Rain guy died, Shannon Hoon. He was more than the No Rain guy. Uh, Bob put Shannon Hoon, 1967 to 1995. Right. What a move. It wasn't a move. I was just being true to myself, true to my fellow uh, melon heads out there. I think you uh, had a girlfriend that year as well. No, no, I didn't. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Reason. Connect those dots. Put that on the board. You think, you think it worked? You I think, think it was Shannon Hoon? Hoon did Directly. Aw, oh, thanks, Shannon. It's like, you got it, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was, you know, listen, hard, hardcore GNR fans will say, oh, that's the best song in the album. That one didn't do a, a ton for me. Those people turn this off after Simple Creed, so we're fine. <laughs> we have nothing to worry about. <laughs> and if you're still here, <laughs> as always, when we do albums that... Uh, uh, people are incredibly passionate about and we don't have quite the same level of connection, we apologize. I mean, we generally should apologize for every episode, but yeah, that's fair. Um, Axl Rose never has to apologize for anything, nor does Slash because they wrote this song. Stephanie Seymour might see it differently. Probably owes her an apology or two. The entire set of the November Rain video. Probably everybody that's worked on any music video. Right, or even did like electrical work in his house. Yeah, any any contractor, any delivery person. His kids. Kids. Buckethead. 
<laughs> Certainly Buckethead. Definitely Buckethead. As we talk over one of the great rock riffs in history. <laughs> Kick! Can I just say, mm. and I know everyone's heard that song and that intro a million times, mm-hmm. but let, a little thought exercise, Bob, a little mental exercise for us as well. Let's really listen I was, to that. Right? I, I was so into it. And when you turned it off, you ruined me. I like looked up. I was like, wait, what happened? <laughs> I was so into it right there. Just, I want everyone to really... Close their eyes and listen. Especially if you're driving. Put it on your headphones. Yes. Close your eyes and really listen. I want you to envision like it's just you in and Saul Hudson in a room together. Right. Like this is this is it. This is the moment you've been waiting for. This all is right. the moment we've all I'm been waiting it. for. I'm doing it. I'm you're doing it? it? I'm actually closing my eyes. All right. Here we go. You ready? Yep. All right, on the count of three, you're going to disappear into a different state. I can't wait. And you'll be listening to the greatest rock riff of your life. Okay, I'm going to snap, and you'll be in the room with Sam. All right, I'm ready. One. Two. Three. (laughs) Oh, no! God damn it! Now they turned it off. Checking my phone now. You have to wait. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, you can't just whiplash. I need, I need a second. I need a second. Whipslash. I feel like what you just did was you like if it was therapy, what you just did would be a crime. Like oh, I definitely lose my license and my practice. Yeah, no, it would be like front page news too about this the malfeasance that was coming <laughs> from this one person. All right, oh for real God. now. Okay, one, two, here we go. Three, three, three. There we go. Like, and that's not a bad bass line either that's dancing into the song here hearing the guitar in my right ear another guitar comes. 
acoustic guitar in there. Yeah. Strumming in there. That's what sometimes blows my mind about all-time great songs, and this obviously qualifies. Uh, that didn't exist, that riff. Right. Like, it just didn't, it wasn't a, th- I mean, there were, he probably picked up pieces or the idea maybe potentially from other songs or a song that he loved, but that actual riff was created and brought into the world by Slash, and it's hard to imagine, like, there, it, there ever existed a world where it didn't, it wasn't here. Right. And yet it was just wasn't around, it doesn't exist. Nobody thought of it until that moment. And let's... You know, so I think this is forever to me Slash's song, but I also think this is, this is Axel's best song too. It is, yeah. It's like his finest moment too. It, the lyrically, uh, both like uh, the, what the story is behind the song and just the way he delivers it. It's right. Like there's Axel's a lot to take, which is what makes him amazing because when he's really bringing it, like he has that energy and that that aggression, which makes him incredible. But he's he's reining it in here to just kind of hit that sweet spot where it sounds good to everybody. I mean, it's I would say the Show Crow version off the uh, Daddy Daycare soundtrack maybe a little better. I think like rock fans accept understand that. that. Uh, yeah, and understand that overall. Or was it like the but Austin we, Two Austin Powers Two soundtrack? We wouldn't have remember. had that without this version of it. It's the way Otis Redding wrote Respect and then Aretha Franklin took it and made it her own. Right. Like, same. Same. Last month there was like a huge... What's the huge country festival that's here? Stage... Stagecoach. Yeah, yeah. Um, Carrie Underwood came out brought out Axl Rose and they did this song and listen Axl's an old man now he's right. 60 or whatever and you know it didn't quite sound like the old Axl or look like the old Axl but like close enough considering everything time that's passed and all the you know various adventures and misadventures I thought he sounded good she sounded good yeah it, but it's just like a great song it's kind of hard to mess up yeah bless your show crow <laughs> All right. This song reminds me of like Rye Playland or walking around like an amusement park. As he intended. Hearing it, hearing it blaring out of speakers, shitty speakers. Yeah, is this the song like that's on the short list of songs you've heard the most in public settings? Probably. Whether it's at a arena or a stadium or a grocery store or just on the radio. Yeah. Walking on the beach. It I could would say be this one. I would say in the non-grocery store division. Yeah. Like, this isn't getting played at Ralph's, unless it's the rock and roll Ralph's on the Sunset Strip. (laughs) Then all bets are off. Have you ever been to that one? I think I was there once. I was expecting more. You know what? It's a Ralph's. Right. (laughs) Like, everybody. So you walk in in there, and you're going to see Joe Perry buying Cheerios. And then you're going to go to the, the egg section. There's Nikki Six. No, there's like there's like six more dirt bags than any other Ralph's. That's it. 
Meatloaf. He works. He works in the produce department. It's amazing. Oh, hang on. Yeah. Come on. Like you can say that about this band. Like, where do you go as a band after yeah. you write this album? Ay, 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 ay. Where do you go? Ay, 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 ay. Not a good karaoke song. Not as good as you think it is. Yeah, because Sneaky, it's six minutes long. Six minutes long, and it requires a lot of work. There's vocal acrobatics that... Quite frankly, sir, you are not ready for it. You're not ready for it. You think you're ready. Yeah, you're not qualified. No. Don't do this to everybody. Here's your crazy. I'm still coming down from Paradise City. It doesn't sound like they needed any break. They're ready to just keep rocking. But that's why, ultimately, they were a successful rock band, and you and I saw Coldplay at the PNC Bank Arts Center. That's a good show, though. Like, we ultimately, like, we need to kind of recover from Paradise City. They don't. Uh, Do you mean Sweet Child of Mine? Yes, Sweet Child of Mine. Thank you. Are we losing you? There's a lot of music. (laughs) You're not losing me. Why do you keep thinking that? I'm fine. Well, just the the sharpness and the clarity of mind. We might be losing that a little bit. That comes with age. Um, all right. That's your crazy. We're getting close to the end here, Bob. This is the, I don't want to say it wrong, gets people mad. The you're pen, in, you're, pen. You're in your head right now. You're having trouble. Can't remember which way to go. Fuck. Left or right. Left or right. The penultimate. Yeah. <sighs> track on appetite for destruction that was a close call here's anything goes we would have had to start the whole episode i know we do that sometimes yeah i could do without that little that's the whistle guy he came back that's his second instrument it's like i came here to work two days i'll work two days (laughs) it's like all right uh we have this stupid sounding like squeaky thing yeah, I can do that. Ground your foot into the floor of the linoleum. Yeah, it's like... Uh, all right. You got new rubber Reeboks, and you're just walking on hardwood. It's going to ruin the song, guys. Fuck you, do it! Yeah! <laughs> Typical Axel. Axel being Axel. Drinking drugs! Okay, I got, I got a question for you. Yeah. Okay, you're you. Got you're a hundred percent you. Maybe you're you at we'll say, th- That's a part of this. Yeah. You're you. Let's say you're you at like twenty five or twenty four. All right. You're a hundred percent you. I am getting ready for the Coldplay concert. In what <laughs> you are, 
in what situation, which band would you be less comfortable being a part of it? You, completely you, I'm 24 in. years old, in Guns N' Roses. Completely you. You're just you dropped into this band. Okay. Or you, completely you, as part of the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> Where would you be less comfortable living the day-to-day life? Um, it's a good question because my my initial inclination is well, at least with Guns N' Roses, uh, it's it's rock music. It's something I'm more familiar with. Um, but I would obviously struggle to hang with like real rock dudes, like cool rock stars. Yeah, like you'd have to that that element of you that makes you like, oh, this is probably a bad idea. You'd right. have to you'd have to lose that. To like a big now, do degree. they do they rub off on you after a time? And you're you. doesn't mean you're cool, but like you're able to just not worry about the things that you would normally worry about or let go of inhibitions. You'd have to, I guess. You'd have to get to that point. Yeah, like you're not going to immediately be like, "Oh, I'm a rock star. I can do whatever I want now." Like because you're you, you're still going to have. There's going to be an adjustment period, and I, it, if at all, again, there's going to be the inclination is who's going to view you with more suspicion. I mean, probably the guys of Wu-Tang. Like we that's, just, again, that's you wondering about that on the outside. You're in the band. You're in the what group. Are they, what like what does like ODB and Method Man think about this? You're part of it. You're just and in it. RZA. Like what is he's cool with? Like you're in it. You're in the group. So yeah, they're cool with it. Just he's like cool with Dan. Just from like Pearl it, River. Just like Guns N' Roses is cool with you being a part of Guns N' Roses. Wu Tang's cool. So with they're cool being, with it. Yeah, see, you're being you right now. You're overthinking their side of it. Why I'm would asking, they be cool with it? I'm asking you because that's the scenario. You're dropped in. Well, I like Guns N' Roses music better then. Now I'm just trying to think what would I'd be more comfortable like. I would want to be on the Sunset Strip with Guns N' Roses, I guess. I don't know if that's answering the question, though. I'm not going to be comfortable with either because I'm just imagining myself feeling like a fish out of water in both scenarios. You will. So the question is... Where would you feel like eventually you can kind of exist in that world? Like, let me make the argument for Wu Tang. There's a whole lot of them. Yeah, they're probably just like hanging out, smoking weed. New York, after the New show. York guys, New York guys, Yankee fans, maybe. watching kung fu movies and smoking weed. Sure, you know they're still like partying and stuff, of course. But I feel like if you were like, nah, I'm just gonna chill, smoke a blunt, and watch Shaolin, they'd be cool with that. Whereas Guns N' Roses, if you're like, hey, guys, I'm not going to party tonight. Fuck you, motherfucker. Yeah, like, what's wrong with you? And they'll make you, they'll, like, hold your nose and shit out of me. pour Jaeger down your throat. So, like, those are the two different worlds, potentially. Well, but now you're painting a picture that's an easy choice. because I, I, I don't think it's easy. I'm just giving you yeah. one scenario there. Because I know, like, obviously, like, your instincts are like, oh, I like rock and roll. I'd rather be with Guns N' Roses. But I'm saying it might be easier for you to be with Wu-Tang. I guess I'll do drugs and watch kung fu movies if no one's going to bother me. I just don't want to be bothered. I mean, you heard the Metallica stories of the way they would haze people and everything. I'm just saying, oh, those I don't guys. Think... That would be easy. But you're dealing Metallica with Axl, you're dealing with Axl Rose, or you know, Big Baby Jesus, which would be fun. Yeah. All right, this is the final track on Appetite for Destruction. Well, what about you? I think I'd like, I'd go with Guns N' Roses and die in four months. Because I feel but like you I, wouldn't, because you'd be you. No, I'd be me. But here's what I would do. I think being me is I would, I would just drink a lot and then just be like, I don't know who I am anymore. But then you wouldn't die in four months. Why not? You're only gonna die if you develop a heroin problem or coke. 
But you wouldn't do that because you're not cool enough to do that. But I'm around cool enough people. But you're not them. And you'll never be them. No, not never. See, that's the difference. That's because you're not. I think them. Eventually, you'll break down and be them. <clears throat> but you can't break down to become cool like they are. That's a natural level of charisma that they possess that made right. them rock stars. That's true. You're Bob. Yeah. Just like I'm Dan. Right. I'm not saying that I would do no, better I know. than you. I know. Yeah. I think there's a part of Bob that's like, well, if I tease out the hair a little bit. No, I would know. Cool t-shirt. I, deep down, I would always be like, I don't fit in here, which is why I think you I, certainly wouldn't do heroin. No, I probably wouldn't do heroin. So which takes you back to the couch. And yeah, I want to go back to the Wu-Tang Clan. I'm the v, I'm joining Wu-Tang. <laughs> Wu-Tang forever. I would love my answer that I want to give is Guns N' Roses. For the I think that, you know what you just said. That's what it is. You want to be Guns N' Roses. And they're all cool over in Staten Island with me coming by and just chilling. Are you sure? They're mostly cool with it. RZA has a problem with it. Oh, see, that's a big one, though. No, it's Is a big he one. the boss? <laughs> He's kind of the boss. What, what does Method Man think about it? Meth is fine. Uh, that's a big one. That's He's big. a good ally. Yeah, he's vouching for you. All right, this is Rocket Queen. I don't want to sleep on this because this is a great album closer. Appetite for Destruction. Review by Stephen Thomas Erlewine. Appetite for Destruction was a turning point for hard rock in the late 80s. It was a dirty, dangerous, and mean record in a time when heavy metal meant nothing but a good time. On the surface, Guns N' Roses may appear to celebrate the same things as their peers, namely sex liquor, drugs, and rock and roll, but there is a nasty edge to their song since Axl Rose doesn't see much fun in the urban sprawl of L.A. and its parade of heavy metal thugs, cheap women, booze, and crime. I like that. That is the difference. Yeah. You hear that. I like how the song is all over the place. Yeah, it really is. Sorry, I was just thinking about what band... You could be the most you in and feel like comfortable. Me? Yeah, you. I think like where I could see you just kind of slide. Semisonic. Just slide in. Just be at the same level of <laughs> chill with the guys. That was the first band that popped in my head. That's Your it. turn. Go. For for you or me? You. Go. Ben Folds Five. <laughs> we would not do well. In Guns N' Roses. <laughs> Semi-Sonic and Ben And it would still work because that winking, ironic, uh, well, it's Ben Folds 5, but we're really three. Well, we'd be but four now. Four, that's yeah. still good. Yeah, it's good. Still works. Yeah. Still works as like a really funny bit <laughs> by Ben Folds and the fellas. There just wouldn't be too much pressure there to like go out every night. 
Yeah, semi-sonic is his first thing. Yeah, that'd be nice fun. Midwest I can see, guys you. I can see you in that. Minneapolis. Yeah. yeah. Definitely, you know, go over to Dan Wilson's mom's house for Thanksgiving. <laughs> She's really nice. <laughs> She's so nice. All right. <clears throat> in a nutshell, that wraps up so much about this episode. <laughs> uh, it's a greatest hits record. It's incredible. Uh, it's different. It will never be surpassed. In some ways, especially in the genre genre in which it exists. Hey, one like kind of fun, interesting nug that I was not aware of until about three weeks ago. The aforementioned Kevin Danger, my brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Biggest Guns N' Roses fan I know. Uh, we were hanging out in my backyard and we saw that they put out a re-release for Appetite for Destruction for what? What is the anniversary? I don't know. Whatever it would be. What did I say? 35 years. 35 years. And on it was a bunch of demos uh, songs that would later show up in uh, subsequent releases from the band. And look what's sitting in plain view in a 1986 Sound City session, Guns N' Roses. Passed over for Appetite for Destruction. Uh, take the glasses You know what it is, yeah? Wow, yeah. This motherfucker had this in his back pocket as like a 21-year-old in 1986. Like... This is so cool. (laughs) November Rain, of course, later released on Use Your Illusion as the ultimate ballad of the decade. Here it is, just piano form. that sound well i was really bummed when you told me you found the shooting location of the november rain music video and it's not too far from where i live in Mm -hmm. pasadena and uh, i was really disappointed in both of us for neither of us touring that place as a wedding venue and getting married there what a missed opportunity just for the scene just to jump through the cake and to do the slash move like where's the ring where's the ring and then you're wearing the satin glove and you hold up your pinky and here it is bitch yeah that's when we could have been as cool as Guns N' Roses, is reenacting so November Rain. That was Everybody it. Everybody would have just been like looking at us like, what are you doing? What the doing? fuck are they doing? Let's listen to this. But when I'm holding you, don't you know I feel the same? But nothing lasts forever, and we both know hearts can change. talked about a few weeks back about Eminem and I posed the question whether he was the biggest pop artist like the greatest pop force at least as a solo act um, in our lifetime mm-hmm. and uh, and I had pointed to the 1999 MTV Music Awards where the show I believe opened with that huge set 
piece with the 200 Marshall Mathers is walking out in unison and he does real Slim Shady. So especially in the 90s, your cultural currency was so tied to like your your show-stopping moment at the VMAs. And this song, the band performed the nearly nine-minute live version of the song with Elton John on piano at the 1992 VMAs. The infamous VMAs where he tried to start a fight with Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Who's walking around with his newborn daughter, Frances Bean and Courtney. And Axl Rose is like, let me get it, Kurt Cobain. He's like 135 pounds and doesn't right. want to touch anybody. <laughs> wasn't was Courtney Love yelling at him too? Like, wasn't that the story? She was yelling shit at him and... I don't know. Wouldn't that be yeah. amazing, though, if they had some type of, like... Would you watch a documentary that is all the raw footage that MTV has from the backstage of that particular show? I feel yeah. like that would be I amazing. Mean, back when Hey, I wor- Paramount Plus, get on it! Back when I worked there, we had the tape library where you would just be able to pull tapes of random shit, like individual cameras and everything. Mm. Missed opportunity for me all those years not to, like dig into the behind-the-scenes footage. I wonder, though, if they even had cameras just roaming around backstage. What's the craziest um, pull from your MTV days? Well, when I first got there, and I didn't really understand how things worked, I immediately pulled like a bunch of episodes of The State, because mm-hmm. like, at that point, like The State hadn't been Which seen. is now on Paramount+, Plus. Yep, by the way. but it was like years since I had seen it. I was like, oh my God, I have to get these these raw tapes and everything. So I put in a request for all these tapes and I show up at the tape library and I had accidentally pulled the reels. So they were like these five, like three foot tall (laughs) reels of tape that I had requested. Like like the masters that the only actual history of the show. Ridiculous. Yeah. The actual, like, so I was like, Never mind. <laughs> that project, the entire history of that project hanging in the balance of what you did with I, the reels. Idiot 22 year old who was like, whoopsie. <laughs> that was, oh, okay. You, you have any other? No, I mean, I would always pull like old alternative nations. And uh, there was, I remember there was a really cool like Weezer interview with Kennedy where they were just being dicks. And she was getting increasingly more frustrated with them the whole time. <laughs> So I remember that was a good poll. And then random music videos that nobody ever saw, like the third or fourth single off of like a semi-sonic album that they would make a video for. And be like, oh, this is cool. Oh, I got to pull all about the chemistry by semi-sonic. Like deeper cuts. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the guy at the library is like, what? Are you serious? Okay. What? All, all right. It's all yours. I've never gotten that before. <laughs> all right. Let's pick a song, Bob. It's time now. One of the great albums ever, Appetite for Destruction. It is. Thank you to everybody over at patreon.com slash throwbackpod for throwing this at us tonight by voting in that poll 11 what happened ago. to um What happened to Stephanie Seymour in November Rain video? Well, that was part... She's dead. But then there happened? was Then there was the next video where Blake... Is she back in that video? Was Patience next? No patience, no, patience was, was before. before so what came loop. after? Because it was Civil part of War, the, was it? Maybe it was Civil War. Yeah, that was a weird one. That's when he swims with the dolphins. Yeah, that's the weird. Jumps one. off the aircraft carrier and swims with the <laughs> yeah, dolphins. A lot of weird <laughs> shit going on there. Um, Stephanie Seymour, Dan, not a Patreone. Bummer. But thank you to everyone who is on patreon.com slash throwback pod, kicking in $2 a month, $6 a month and more to keep this thing afloat. Thank you to Courtney and Wyatt. Love that power Cl- couple. Kleine and Mansi. Love them. 
Miles. Miles. And of course, Bruno, the sponsor, our top tier Patreonies. You guys are Bruno the best. Bruno straight up has his own theme song. Bruno finally has a theme song. <laughs> <laughs> you guys. I'm going to take this and slide this into the permanent playlist. Yeah, please do. So I don't have to scramble and type in Into the Wild every, every time, time you're about Bruno's to say name. Bruno. <laughs> Thank you to everyone. Patreon.com slash throwback pod. All right. We now add a song to the Throwback Podcast playlist following our summer song. Dan, what will follow Len Steal My Sunshine? Wow. You know, it's off this classic. Here's rock the thing. And roll album. I think we both had a, a moment there appreciating the greatness that's been hiding in plain sight for decades now, a sweet child of mine. And yet, with a song that has so many great deep cuts it mm-hmm. feels like it would be a miss not to call attention to one of those songs yeah um and for that reason i'm going to nominate i'm going to nominate mr brownstone okay how about you the one that really popped out at me listening to it again was night train Night Train. Okay, I can go so with I Night Train. Night Train. I can go with Mr. Brownstone. I don't think you can go wrong with either of those two. Well, no, Eddie, your moments. <laughs> Bruno, moments Bruno what do you think? <laughs> that means Bruno's still here. He's I with us. I think you should go with Night Train. I mean, anything that counts in with Cowbell like that. Yeah, how could you deny that? We will not deny Oh, this it. is so good. Oh. All right, so Night Train by Guns N' Roses off Appetite for Destruction is the latest addition to the Throwback Podcast playlist. Check it out. Um, we populate it on Spotify, but I believe someone's out there that said they're going to carry the torch uh, on Apple Music. If you're out there, hit us up on Twitter, and I'll make sure to, you know, even though I'm not connected to the apple brand anymore in that capacity right i still support spotify. that upstart company upstart company. spotify won the streaming wars i believe um support small businesses <laughs> apple <laughs> nancy and Kleine, i believe uh mancy uh has a youtube page of all of our tracks so you could listen on youtube as well I don't know how to find it, but it's out there. Hey, listen, that's a start in terms of uh, the deep digging. Thousands and thousands will commence upon hearing that. Also, I want to just say to Ed Kowalczyk, I understand where you're at. You're in a difficult situation, both as a, a professional and a colleague of these gentlemen in the current iteration of live, but also worrying about your own um, well-being in terms of litigation and going down those ugly roads again. But I would say maybe there is a middle ground where you, Ed, you could be the go-between. You could be the one mm. that takes the olive branch from one side of the aisle to the other, and we can get live, live again. I like that. I mean, but if you need us, Ed, we're out here. We're ready to help. We're ready. We're coming to York. And if, not, if everything else fails, just say to all of them, a whole lot of them, go fuck yourself.